Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. We're told, don't judge a book by its cover. But have you ever judged a book by its cover? When my mom would bring my siblings and I to a bookstore as a kid and tell us that we could pick out a book, I would scour the shelves until I could find the book with the coolest cover and then ask her to buy that one. Before the English teacher would even have the book drop on my desk that we were to read next for our English class, I could tell you if I wanted to read that book, if I was going to even enjoy that book. As a teenage boy, would you rather read this or this? Am I right or am I right? We've all judged books by their covers. And the jury is still out as to whether or not judging a book by its cover is a bad thing when it comes to books. But deep down, we all know that not judging a book by its cover is great advice when dealing with people because we've all misjudged others and we've all been misjudged. Sometimes we judge others subconsciously, sometimes it's conscious, and we don't realize the impact it has on people. But when we're judged, oh, we feel the impact long after the instance. As followers of Jesus who've experienced God's grace, We, of all people, should be the ones who extend God's grace towards others, even those different from us. Now, as painful as it is to be judged, unfortunately, as Christians, we're often known as judgmental. And we don't like the fact that others would judge us as judging, but they have a point. We look at someone and say, Oh, they'll never come to Jesus. Do you know what they believe? Look at how sinful they live their life. Or they'll go to their own church. They'll do their own thing. They're They're cultural. They're just different than us. Like, it's better if they do their thing, we do our thing. It's just better if we do church that way. When we see us in them, God sees people he loves and longs for a relationship with. We're in this Unleashed series because we want to be part of a move of God that's bigger than ourselves, a move of God in us, a move of God through us, something like what happened in the first century. And what we have seen so far as we've been journeying through the book of Acts and tracking with the early church is that the gospel caught like fire in Jerusalem as the Jews received Jesus and started to follow him. And then... God used persecution of all things to ex, you know, extend the gospel to Samaria. I mean, even the Samaritans came to Jesus. And then last week we saw that Saul, who was previously persecuting the church, had this radical come to Jesus moment on the road to Damascus, and Blake taught powerfully about it last week. Well, it's interesting. What we've seen thus far is that God will often use people to extend the gospel, to share the gospel with a group of people that maybe they didn't expect. 
maybe even least expect. And we're going to see this again today. In fact, God's going to use Peter to share the gospel with a whole group of people that he had written off. But God wanted to use Peter to write them in. So we're going to take a look at this account in Acts chapter 10 and into chapter 11. And if you want to follow along, I would invite you to turn with us to Acts 10, where you can just read along with us as we teach. And if you need a Bible, you can, of course, access one through our free church app. And in the app, if you just click on the message notes tile right on the homepage there, there's even a place you can jot down some notes as well. As you get into Acts 10, and as we prepare to dive into this scripture passage and this message, would you do something with me? Would you bow your heads? Let's pray together and ask that we hear from God and that he would open our hearts and our minds up to what he wants to say. Lord, we come before you eager to encounter you today. We ask that you would speak through your word, that you would speak through me, and that you would open our hearts and minds to what you want to say to us. Whether it's convicting, challenging, encouraging, whatever you have for us, we're ready to hear it. So please speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as we jump into the story, let's meet the cast of characters. We've got the Apostle Peter in the lead role. Now, Peter was a close friend and follower of Jesus. He walked with Jesus, followed him very closely when Jesus ministered here on earth. And then Peter, of course, denied Jesus three times, but then Jesus restored him after Jesus was risen from the grave. And since Jesus has ascended to heaven, Peter has taken on a leadership role in the early church. It started when he preached the first revival message at Pentecost, when over 3,000 people repented and were baptized that day. Peter was even on ground zero as the gospel spread to Samaria, a people that he'd least expect. Throughout this whole time, he's been performing miracles as the Holy Spirit works through him. I mean, Peter's got a pretty exciting journey going on right now. And then on the other hand, in the supporting role, we have Cornelius. Now, we haven't met Cornelius yet in this unfolding story, but He's part of God's story, and he's part of what we're going to be reading today. So listen to how the text describes our new character, Cornelius. This is Acts 10, 1 and 2. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Cornelius lives in Caesarea and holds a leadership position in the Roman army, probably oversaw 80 to 100 soldiers. More importantly, he's a Gentile, meaning he's not a Jew. Sure, Cornelius worshiped God. I mean, it, the text just described him as a God-fearer, but he wasn't circumcised. Now, this might not be a big deal to us, but it was a real big deal back then. Not being circumcised meant that Cornelius was not a Jew. He was not a person of God. The opening scene is one of Cornelius, who at this point is about three o'clock one afternoon, and he has this vision of an angel of God speaking to him. And the, the angel says, you know, essentially, like, God sees you, Cornelius. He's got a word for you, but you got to send for Peter. He's in Joppa. He's about 30 miles south. Send for Peter. Have him come and share God's word with you because God's got something for you. 
Now, the next day, Peter is actually on a roof himself, and he has a vision. Cornelius has, at this point, sent a couple servants, and even a soldier, on their way to Joppa. Peter has no idea what's going on right now. He's on the roof. He, it's noon. He's hungry, and he sees a vision in Acts 10, 11 through 16, records Peter's vision for us. And it says this, he, Peter, saw heaven opened in something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners and contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, this vision is twofold in nature. Quite literally, God was telling Peter, look, I'm getting rid of the Jewish dietary laws, those, those laws you've grown up with. Like, you can now eat pork, among other things. And figuratively, this vision is, is foreshadowing that God is going to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the Gentiles, uh, people that the Jews had written off for far too long. Now, the Jews had written off the Gentiles, but who have you written off? Have you written off young people, old people, the LGBTQ community, black people, Asian people? people of certain professions, people with different religious backgrounds. Personally, I've written off Indian people. It sounds ridiculous when I say it out loud, but having grown up in an affluent community in Maine where it's as white as white can be and I'm considered tan, I didn't have many people of different ethnicities or, or colors in my school. so. Now I'm living, I find myself living in this neighborhood. I'm surrounded by Indian people. I have nothing against Indian people, nothing at all. I just have a hard time understanding them. I can't understand what they're saying. Let's just say they're not getting out of the car, walking upstairs and boiling some lobster. And I fear what I don't understand. But what I'm coming to discover is that when I think that God wants me to get to know my neighbors. He wants me to show his love to them. And I only do that with people who look like me. I might be missing who God wants me to share his love with. God didn't play favorites and we shouldn't either, as Peter is about to discover. Because as he's pondering the meaning of this vision he's had, the three guys from Cornelius arrive at the house. And the spirit prompted Peter to go downstairs. Just kidding. But he did go downstairs, and when he gets downstairs, the guys are like, hey, you got to come with us to see Cornelius in Caesarea. Well, it's getting late. Peter invites them in, and they spend the night. The next morning, they get up early, and they begin their trek 30 miles up the coast from Joppa to Caesarea. The following day, Peter arrived at Cornelius's house, where Cornelius has since gathered his friends, his family. He's brought them all together to hear what Peter has to say. Peter, a Jew, immediately called out the elephant in the room because even before Cornelius, he knew why Cornelius summoned him. This is what Peter had to say in verses 28 and 29. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew, such as myself, 
to associate or visit a Gentile, such as you all. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask you why you sent for me? Translation, this, this what's happening right now? Yeah, this is way outside of my God box. I'm a Jew, you're Gentiles, we don't do this kind of thing, but God is teaching me some things, so maybe Cornelius, you can help me understand why I'm even here. Cornelius goes on to recap the vision that he had just days before. And as he's sharing, it clicks for Peter. God's still connecting all the dots, but it clicks for him. And Peter goes on to share this in verse 34 and 35. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Like a good dad, God doesn't play favorites, and as his kids, we shouldn't play favorites either. Peter is realizing this reality as he then shares the story of God with the Gentiles, very similar to the story, the message he preached on that day of Pentecost when over 3,000 Jews came to Jesus. And the message is essentially this. When he's talking about Jesus, he says, God sent him, we followed him, the Jews killed him, God raised him, we saw him, now believe in him. And even before Peter can get to the punchline, the Holy Spirit moves just like he did on the day of Pentecost. And it happens all over again. Luke records it this way, verse 44 through 46, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God, just like what had happened at Pentecost. Now, having just witnessed this supernatural move of God with the Holy Spirit coming on these Gentiles, Peter gets it. He's like, okay, Jesus, he's for us Jews and he's for the Gentiles. Get these people baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. News of the Gentiles receiving Jesus, it quickly spread throughout the region, even to Jerusalem. And here's what's crazy to me, how that could even happen without reliable news sources like social media, I don't know, but it did. The news spread fast. All I can think of is that they must have actually talked to each other. It's pretty antiquated, I know. But Luke continues to record all of this now in Acts 11, one through three. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. The Jewish believers, Peter's friends, they're about to cancel him because he associated with, he accepted Gentiles. When we follow God's lead and we write in who we've previously written off, we too, we're at risk of being canceled by others. Because our faith, 
It looks like foolishness to those who haven't heard what we've heard or believe what we believe or maybe even experienced what we've experienced. So if we find ourselves with the the red, the, the cursor of our peers, it's just hovering over the red X in the corner of our lives. If we find ourselves about to be canceled, we're wise to follow Peter's example, even still, because he didn't panic. He didn't didn't run from the situation. No, no, no. Listen to what he did. He simply shared what he had heard and what he'd experienced. Verse 4 records it like this. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. Then, after recounting it all, he, he boils it all down for them. He's like, Jesus is for us as he is for them. And by God's grace, they believed. They, they, they realized the truth of what Jesus or excuse me, what Peter had just said. So now in verses 17 through 18 of chapter 11, it says this, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Because Peter listened to God and and acted upon what he heard, now the Jews, these Jewish believers, they have a more complete understanding of God's grace. Grace for even them. I'm thankful for this story for a couple of reasons. First, we can now eat bacon. Second, we can now be saved. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not a Jew, making me a Gentile, making me a them. But it's not by religious tradition. It's not circumcision that saves us. Oh, no, 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 no. It is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. So we get to boast in Jesus' name and what a powerful name it is. Because Jesus is for everyone. He is for every age, every skin color, every race, every religious background. He's for every gender. Jesus is for everyone. And because Jesus is for everyone, every person, every story, we should be as well. Because Jesus is the link that connects God's story with our story. And God's story is a story of reconciliation, redemption, restoration. And when God's story becomes our story through the person of Jesus, we get to become agents of reconciliation, agents of restoration, in our world. We get to see heaven realized on earth. We get to see the kingdom of God expressed where we live, where we work, where we play. And this is what we should pray. Peter, he started in prayer and like Peter's experience, may we be used by God to write in those we've written off. So may this be our prayer. God, I I wrote them off but you're writing them in. Would you use me to write them in? God, I, I, I wrote them off in the past, but, but you want to write them into your story. Would you use me to do it? And when we pray this prayer, just get ready because it's coming. God loves to answer prayers like this. He loves extending his grace to the people who'd least expect it. So when God answers and he invites us to minister to them, even them, May we follow Peter's example and let's, one, pray first. 
Peter was praying when God opened his mind to the fact that God could be for others, ministering to the Gentiles. It happened in prayer. That's where it started for Peter. Now, it's in prayer where God breaks our hearts for what breaks his. So, if you're wondering, okay, what's the injustice that God wants me to address? Start in prayer. Because a person on their knees is a person that's ready. Because they are surrendered. And God uses surrendered people to share his love with those who need it most. Two, don't hesitate. When Cornelius' servants and his soldier arrive, Peter doesn't hesitate. He just faithfully moves forward. He doesn't understand it yet. He doesn't get it all. He doesn't all figured out, but, but he just follows because he knows that the Holy Spirit is going before him. And delayed obedience is disobedience, like we've talked about before. When God breaks your heart for an injustice, be quick. Don't, don't delay. Obey right away. And, and you can move forward in confidence because the Holy Spirit goes before you and the Holy Spirit goes with you if you know Jesus. Pray first, don't hesitate, and three, don't hold back. Cornelius has gathered his friends and family, and Peter shows up, and he passionately shares God's story with them. He shares how God's story can intersect with their story by the person of Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, free yourself from feeling like you've got to share God's story just right, perfectly, in this polished and nice and neat way. Look, your passion more than your polish is going to inspire people to follow Jesus too. It's God who saves anyways. We share, he saves. That's how we partner with God in the spread of the gospel. God loves everyone. So we're going to love the one in front of us best by pointing them to the one we love most. Even them. Even them. We're going to point them to the one we love most. And when we do, earth starts to look a little more like heaven. We wrote them off, but God can use you to write them in. How's God speaking to you personally right now?